The reason why I don't go to church is because the church is filled with... Absolutely. Um, that's nothing new. Um, in fact, Jesus talked about the same problem 2,000 years ago because the professional religious leaders of that time were hypocrites. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, a Hindu, a person not a Christian, once said this, that he said that he would convert to Christianity if we found one Christian who actually lived out his beliefs. He says in a quote, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. Ain't that the truth? You know, when we look around churches all around us, and could it be us as well, we follow Christ, but many times we are so unlike the one that we follow. For most people outside of these walls, for most people who aren't connecting to God through a local church today, they connect Christianity and hypocrisy, and they think it's the same thing. And especially is true for pastors. I know a lot of people what they think of pastors because I am one. And a lot of times people don't hesitate to tell me what they think of me. <laughs> um, I grew up, you know, looking at pastors as being men of God, but yet you see some, especially on TV today and others, that you just think, wow, is that really their, real, their true hair? Is that a... Do they really speak the way that they speak normally like that? Do they usually have wives with painted faces like that? Uh, A.W. Tozer says this. He always tells it like it is, this gentleman, and he writes something called artificiality is a disease of the soul. Listen to what he says. When I was a kid, one thing that struck me was the artificiality of preachers. I was not brought up in a Christian home, so I was not familiar with the language of Christianity. On a rare occasion when I actually heard a sermon, I listened with an ear undulled by familiarity. How strange preachers sounded to me, how artificial their words, and how unnatural their demeanor. They seemed to be afraid of something, yet I could not tell what. No one paid much attention to what they said anyway. <laughs> I'm sure if, they, if any one of them had slyly interjected pieces of the Gettysburg Address backwards that very few would actually realize it religious artificiality is a disease a deeply and human and spiritual one it is a disease of the soul and can only be healed by the physician of the soul we're here talking about spiritually transmitted diseases and i'm amazed that this spiritually transmitted disease of hypocrisy is usually only found in the church. Very rarely is it ever seen outside the church. All you have to do is turn on the TV or many times listens to the radio and, and it smacks you in the face. And hear me, I, I am not saying that all TV preachers are like that. I'm not saying that all preachers are like that at church. But I also know how most people, what they think of preachers. In fact, let me give you a statistic. And this is really embarrassing. Really embarrassing. Listen to this. Out of a recent survey taken of people who don't go to church, they asked to give their first impression about 11 groups of people, including military officers, lesbians, 
lawyers, pastors, used car salesmen, and prostitutes and actors. Pastors made the tenth most favorable impression out of 11, barely beating out prostitutes. Oh, my. Now, I'm, I'm amazed by that. And, and the reason why I'm being hard on preachers is because I am one. And one of the things I prayed most, because it's a little scary getting up and talking about hypocrisy, because the thing I've been praying all of this week is, Lord, don't let me preach about something that I am. And you need to know this. I am not perfect. I have, and a lot of times, I have covered stuff up and I've lived a dual lifestyle like many of you. But God calls us to stop and to live as one, to live one lifestyle, a Christian lifestyle, and not to put on faces. I I, want to talk about Jesus and his response to hypocrites. Because most of us, if I ask the question, what what would be your first impression of Jesus? Many of you would say, well, Jesus... He's really nice, and he's meek, and he's mild, and, you know, he, he's kind of like a PBS Mr. Rogers. You know, he, he wears the sweater vest, and before he comes into the temple, he bends down to tie his shoes, and he starts singing a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Most of us have that idea of Jesus, but I dare to say most of us who have that idea, we've really never read Matthew 23. So if you would... This, it's up, going to be up on the screen, but it's also there, and I'm sorry we're having a little difficult with the lights and you not being able to read your Bible. We're going to fix it. But Matthew 23, if you can't read your Bibles, open it up, and let's look at, look at what Jesus said to the professional religious leaders of that day, the conservatives, the fundamentalists of that day. He talks to a group called the Pharisees, and these fellows, they had it all together. They were conservative. They, um, they were in power. Uh, they believed God's word to be true. They looked all the right part. They looked great. But when Jesus shows up on the scene in Matthew 23, he says, you're a fake. You're a hypocrite. You're, leave, you're, you're living a dual lifestyle. You're duplicitous. By the way, that is a word. I looked it up in Webster's. All right. He is very confrontational here. He, he calls them hypocrites on not one occasion and not five occasions, but in this chapter he calls them hypocrites on seven occasions, seven times. He says hypocrite. Now, I dare say that you have probably not called anybody a hypocrite this year to their face. In fact, you may have never called anybody a hypocrite ever in your life. But Jesus, not being the PBS sits a beautiful day in your neighborhood, but saying, you are blind guides. You are whitewashed tombstones. You are hypocrites. Look at 23:13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Matthew 23:14. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 23:15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 23:16. Woe to you, blind guides. 23:23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. 23:25 Woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites 23:33 You serpents you snakes in the grass <laughs> Does that sound like a PBS special to you? Nope. I don't think so. Jesus is not a milk toast person. He comes out and he calls it like it is. He calls it like it is. He says, "You know what? You're a charlatan. You're a fake." 
He calls them snakes in the grass. He calls them pretty tombstones that are filled with dead and decay. He calls them blind guides. And he calls them sons of hell. Dear Lord, sons of hell. It's no wonder that three chapters later, these same guys have Jesus arrested, and the next chapter they kill him. Because you don't, nobody wants to kill Mr. Robinson, but somebody will want to get somebody out of the way when they're telling the truth. Before we go any further, let's talk about the word hypocrite. Because you might have a different definition than I do. Let's look at what the Bible has to say about it. Seven times it's used in this chapter, so let's understand it. The Greek word is hypokritos. And it shows up in the Greek. When it first showed up, it didn't have a negative problem, a negative connotation. It was talking about actors. In the Greek world, the Greek brought us comedy and tragedy. And in the Greek world, they would, some uh, actor would come out on stage and they would put on a mask with a smiley face. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? They'd put on that mask with a smiley face and they would tell jokes and everybody would laugh and clap. Oh, that's so funny. And the person would leave the stage, drop the mask. He would come get another mask that had a frown on it. He would enter on the, on the other side of the stage and he would talk about terrible things and sad things and people would weep and cry and boo and hiss. And when he left the stage, he dropped the mask. He was called a hypocritos, one who speaks from behind a mask. Hypocrisy means pretending to be something you're not. Y'all remember that old 50s song? And I wasn't born in the 50s, evidently, but I love oldies music. 50s song, The Great Pretender. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Remember that one? Oh, most of y'all, all right? Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender. Praise God I don't sing, right? All right, I mean, the great, it's, it, hypocrisy means you're pretending to be someone you're not. It means to put on a mask and to worry about the outside instead of worrying about the inside. Now, you've got to remember, here's our big idea for today. God always cares about the inside of a person, not about the outside. Let me repeat that. God cares about the inside to the exclusion of the outside. It's the inside-out principle. But what hypocrisy does is let's focus on the outside and let's not worry about the inside. The disease of hypocrisy has many symptoms. Let's look at a few of them today. Verses 1 through 3 of Matthew 23 says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, they are the official interpreters of the scriptures so practice and obey whatever they say to you but do not follow their example for they don't practice what they teach the first symptom of hypocrisy is simply this is hypocrites don't walk the talk they have a great talk but they don't do what they say they don't do what they say they say great things but they never ever get around to doing them they look strong but they're really empty. They sound pious, but they're really pathetic. They come across righteous, but really they're filled with dead men's bones. They have the outward signs. They look good on the outward, and they sound great outwardly, but inside, there's something wrong on the inside. God cares more about the inside than the outside. 
Hypocrisy cares more about the outside than the inside. Look at the next symptom in verses 4 and 5 of Matthew 23. Let's read it. They crush you with impossible religious demands, and they never even lift a finger to help ease the burden. Everything they do is for what? Show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. They wear extra long tassels on their robes. You do it so that other people will raise their eyebrows and say, ah, oh, they must really be godly. They not only have a Bible, they have a Bible that's this big. They must be very spiritual. Wow, they have, look at the ties and the suits that they have on. They must, now hear me, there's nothing wrong with any of that. There's nothing wrong with big Bibles and suits and stuff. But if that is what you're focusing on and not on the inside, God is saying, I care more about what you look like on the inside, not on the outside. God cares about what's going on in here. A hypocrite is after the show. I say all of this to my own embarrassment because I've been there. I've done that. I have put up the part. I have put on a mask. And many times the, the, the people in my life that cause me for what I am is three kids i got to uh, get ready to be a nine-year-old who can many times see right through me. Uh, I've been married for going on 14 years now, and my wife, she knows. You know what I mean? I mean, she knows, and all of us have done that. I am guilty, and I want to make sure that as I come across this, that if I point the finger, I remember that I have three more pointing back at me. Um, look at the next symptom, verses 6 and 7. Symptom number three is the hypocrite is all about the pride. Verses 6 and 7. And how they love to sit at the head of table of banquets and the most prominent seats in the synagogue. They enjoy attention that they get on the streets and they enjoy being called rabbi. You know one way you can always tell a hypocrite? By the way they talk. If they use I and me a lot. If they're always talking about themselves and the spotlight always has to be on them, then you can pretty much be sure that they are a hypocrite. Because it's amazing, when Jesus came into the world, did he always have to have the spotlight on him? No. In fact, in, in Mark 10, 45, it says he came to seek and to say, he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He didn't come to be served. He didn't come to have it all himself. He came to give it away. Proverbs eight thirteen says that God hates pride. And the reason why Jesus attacked hypocrisy so much is because it's rooted in pride. It's rooted in a me and an I attitude. He ends that in verse 11 and 12. Look at this. It says, The greatest among you must be a what? The greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, people with the spiritually transmitted disease of hypocrisy... They are always worried about the externals and God is concerned about the internals because humility comes from the inside. And God cares more about the inside than the outside. Symptom number four, a hypocrite's mindset is very narrow. Somebody say, sure enough. All right. Look at verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter it yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. You know, some people's worldview is just so narrow, isn't it? 
I mean, some people are just so narrow. Now, the Bible gives us guidelines. The Bible gives us, okay, this is right and this is wrong. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about a group of people who says, you know what, this is the Bible says yes and no, but that's just too broad. There's too much freedom in there. Let's just create more rules. In fact, the Pharisees of this day, and we talked about this last time we were together in July, the spiritually transmitted disease of legalism. These Pharisees, these religious people, they created 613 laws outside the Ten Commandments. No, oh my, 613. They were very, very narrow. They, had, they said, okay, on the, the, the day that we worship, you could only walk so many steps. And then you had to stop. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a busy intersection and there's a chariot coming towards you. You've got to stop. I mean, that, those are not smart people, friend. I'm surprised that they, they last, but they did. And many times they show up to be us. God knows this, that if he changes your heart, the external will follow. God knows that if he changes your inside, then the outside will follow. Look at verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides. Where have we heard that before? Hypocrites. For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple. You can break that oath. But when you say that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Now let me explain this one. Because this symptom number five, hypocrites, their word can't be trusted. Their word means nothing. Let me explain what's happening. These religious leaders would borrow money. They would hook up with some people. They would say, hey, listen, I promise to pay you back. I promise if you let me borrow your chainsaw or whatever, I promise you I'll give it back. Okay. Oh, I, I promise by the temple. Okay, well, the temple, that's the religious building we meet in. So he must be really serious. So they would lend out their, uh, their chopping axe. They would lend out their, some money. And then later, when they went back to this religious person and said, hey, can I get my chopping axe back? Can I get my Roman chainsaw back? They'd say, uh, I'll, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I pawned it. I, I'm going to keep it. Well, but you swore. You swore. Yeah, but see, I swore by the temple, and you should have made me swear by the gold that was on the temple. What do you do with people like that, huh? That's exactly, really, I want to go, mm-mm. But if I did that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be any better than them, right? I, you just want to just pull your out, pair out for people. Because sometimes people get hung up over stupid stuff. There were gold in the temple. or the And it's just God saying, keep your word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. They could not be trusted. They could not be trusted because they had broken their word time and time again. And don't we get hung up on silly stuff? Well, what type of worship style do you like? Do we have drums? Do you not? What version of the Bible do you have? Um, do you, what do you, how do you dress when you go to church? Where do you meet? Do you even have a building? Do you meet in a movie theater? I mean, stuff. And God's saying, I don't care about that stuff. I care about what? What's on the inside? I care about your heart. I care about what comes out of your heart because what is in your heart is going to control eventually everything else. He wants to get your inside right. And if he gets your inside right, your outside will follow. Look at verse 25. Symptom number six. And this is where, this is the last symptom is this. Hypocrites and hypocrisy focus on the outside to the detriment of the inside. Woe to you. 
scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the outside will be clean too. How many of y'all want a drink? Anybody? It's from Krispy Kreme. Mmm. This looks great, doesn't it? I mean, look at the outside, how it shines. You see how it sparkles? Beautiful. Look. Isn't that attractive? Anybody want a drink? You see, because this really doesn't matter. This does. This can be shiny and nice on the outside, but that is not what you really care about when you want to get a cold fresh drink of water you want to make sure the inside the inside is clean and god is saying this you let me get your inside clean and your outside may look pretty rough it may look all beat up and it may be junked up but if you get this right then the outside will follow it and i gotta be honest with you i have missed the boat so many times on this y'all um, my very, fir- very first pastorate position was in Texas, in Dallas, Texas, and I pastored youth. And I grew up in Clarksville, lived here all of my life, left in 93, and uh, started pastoring these youth. And there were 14 of them that I was on staff at a church. And uh, these youth, I'm going to be honest with you, they were a little rough. Uh, I showed up uh, one Wednesday night to teach them the first time I met them, and uh, a couple of them had cut pentagrams into their arms. Um, they were all talked about dropping acid. Um, after I got finished teaching, they all left the church building and they lit up. And they offered me one. And I was like, I'm going to be killed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die. I'm going to be mass murdered. I'm going to be found in an unmarked grave. And, and it, I said, you know what? But this is what the Lord's calling me to do. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Now, I had a choice. I had a choice. I could say, okay, you know what? You need to stop cussing. And you need to stop drinking, you need to stop doing the drugs, you need to stop cutting yourself, and you need to start acting like a Christian, whatever that is. And if I would have done that, and that's what I was tempted to do, I would be a hypocrite. Because God cares about what? The outside or the inside? The inside. And I started right there and then because I think, you know what, even if they stop drinking, even if they stop smoking, even if they stop saying those four-letter words, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, they are going to be separated from God for eternity. They are going to be separated for eternity, and they will never, ever be in heaven. They're going to be in hell. And they can look a great part. And they can act a great part. But God doesn't care about the externals. He cares about their heart. And the Lord started showing me that just keep on teaching. Keep on loving them. Keep on loving them past all of that stuff. And if I get in control of this, the rest will follow. If I can get the inside clean, the outside will eventually become holy and become clean. How does one stop playing the part behind a mask? Because I'll be honest with you, I know all of us have done it. If you've been in church any amount of time, or maybe you've been out of church for quite some time, and you're trying to come back, 
Maybe one of the things that kept you away was this whole deal of hypocrisy. I've got to be honest with you. If you're here and you think, you know what, well, these are going to be a perfect group of people and they're never, ever going to wear a mask, I would love to be able to tell you, you know, you're right. But all of us are going to struggle with this. All of us, myself included. But what I can promise you is this. I can promise you that we, together, are going to get rid of those masks. How does one stop being a hypocrite? How does one start focusing on the inside and not worry about the outside? And here's the key, is to get beside somebody. If you want to focus on the inside to the detriment of the outside, then get around people, get beside some people. It all happens in community. Let me explain this this way. You know, I can say a lot of things and be a lot of things, and I can impress people from a distance. But when I allow people to get in close, and I I trust them enough to take off my mask, I'm able to be real with them. I'm able to be authentic with them. And what I'm encouraging you and I to do is not just to come and fill up a theater, not just to come and fill up and just sit to hear one person speak, to be able to take that next step, to be able to get in a group of people whom you may not know at first, but you will eventually start to grow in love and you will eventually start taking off that mask. You know, it's easy to keep up the show when you keep people like this, but when you bring people in and you start to open up, here's what you're going to find out. When you start realizing, you know what, okay, you may have marital problems, you may have financial trouble, you may struggle in building relationships. When you finally trust people enough to get in a community group, and I'm going to talk about that a little later, but to get in a community group and say, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to risk being real. I'm willing to take Start taking off that mask slowly, but taking it off. You know what you're going to find out? That the people you're taking your mask off with, they have the same problems as you. And I have the same problems as you. That none of us are any different. One of the things that we're going to be starting, and you're going to hear a lot more about this in, in two Sundays with our grand opening, is every Sunday in the month of September, we're going to be having sign-ups for community groups. Our community groups start October 1st. And what is a community group? A community group is simply a group of 12 to 14 people committed to being with one another and literally doing life together, to having fun, to commit to eat with one another, to hang out with one another. And slowly, as you're working through issues, you're going to slowly find yourself dropping that mask and saying, you know what, I got this issue. And they're going to say, I got that issue too. It's rough, ain't it? And you're going to go, yeah, it is. Well, you, so you got that same problem too? Well, yeah. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to become real. God doesn't want any spiritual fakes, myself included. He wants you to drop the mask, to get in the community, to focus on the inside rather than the outside. Let me, uh, as I close, listen to a struggle as a pastor. One pastor describes of just keeping that facade up. In seminary, one of my professors taught me a principle that I now realize was not only wrong, but incredibly dangerous. He called it the pastor's mystique. And he said we all had to guard it at all cost. This professor says, people think they want pastors to be normal, everyday people, but they really don't. They want to see you as better than the average person. Church members want to believe your marriage is always strong. 
Your faith never falters, and you are virtually without sin. Week after week, he warned about the pastor's mystique. Keep up your guard. Don't let them know the real you. Dress the part. Talk the part. Fake it till you make it. You're a pastor now. Never let them into your life or you're going to regret it. Smile big. Shake each hand with both of yours. And end each conversation with the pastor's best line, God bless you. But God called me not to be like a pastor, but to be like Christ. If you're here and you're expecting me to be perfect or to keep up a facade, I'm going to be honest with you. That ain't me. I'm going to be as real with you as I am with my friends because that is what God has called me to be. God has called me to be a Christ follower first. And I'm telling you as a, as a somebody who is bought into this, that I am going to be involved with a group of people, a community group. Because if I'm not, it's easy for me to put back on my mask. And God doesn't call us to wear masks. He calls us to be real, to focus on the inside and not on the outside. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for some strong words from Jesus. Lord, I'm just, I am so humbled, and I've been so concerned about this message, Lord, because I don't want to be the very thing that you preached against. And Lord, if there's ever been, if there's things in my life now that is not there, it doesn't need to be there, Lord, I pray that you would remove them. Lord, that you would bring friends around me that care more about me, Lord, than how I feel, but Lord, that they're willing to confront Lord, your word says so clearly that wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. And Lord, where we find that is in a group of people who we can willing to take the risk to take the mask off. Lord, we love you, Jesus Christ. You are so awesome. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.